run the capital city. I'm Kevin Allen. Affordable housing and availability of housing, again, it underscores, you know, it's a, it's a core issue, is a foundational issue for the economy. That was Susan Bell, the principal partner at McKinley Group, speaking to the Juno Assembly Finance Committee about the Juno economic plan her firm has been working on. In the report to the committee, Bell spoke of eight key topics, promote housing affordability and availability, enhance essential infrastructure, build the senior economy, attract and prepare the next generation workforce, recognize and expand Juno's position as a research center, build on our strengths, protect and enhance Juno's role as a capital city, and revitalize downtown. Here's Bell on two infrastructure issues. Enhance Essential Infrastructure had a couple of key initiatives that were identified. And um, the first was improving access to West Douglas and the new growth area. And two things are highlighted in the, in the presentation tonight. One of them is the accomplishment of that 3.5-mile Pioneer Road. It was a legislative grant that um, was administered by the Department of Commerce and something that's underway right now and will be through the next year, which is the second, cross, uh, second crossing project planning and environmental linkages project. So again, work is underway on this, um, on this topic. Growth in Juno's tourism industry is also happening, according to Bell. There was momentum. We saw growth in independent travel. The last specific work that was done for Travel Juno measured independent visitors in 2016 at about 78,000. When we look at some of the indicators, bed tax or air employments, you know, we were seeing growth through, through 2019. And again, COVID impacts. We saw some pretty stark drop in travel. But again, you know, some of the independent travelers, including sport fishing, were some of the first to begin to resume travel. We don't have new data at this point. Bell says the economic downturn is continuing, in part due to the lack of workforce in Juno. Labor shortages are suppressing the recovery that could otherwise be there in, in this particular sector. The seafood industry is a little bit mixed. Participation um, by Juno residents in commercial fishing is down 11% between 2015 and 2019. The value of fish landed in Juno has been steady. So again, you know, two different ways of looking at sort of Juno's role in this. But, you know, again, that the diversity of our economy in the seafood sector is something that, you know, is, is recognized as a strength and something that people value and want to be purposeful about making sure it remains part of the community and the economy. Increasing Juno's reputation as a capital city is important, Bell says, but state employment here is hampering growth in some areas. Capital City Fire and Rescue responded to two small fires in the downtown area yesterday. The first one was near the downtown transit center, where a cigarette was found in a six-square-foot-inch patch of mulch. The second fire was near the Mount Roberts tram, which was about eight square feet, and an improperly discarded cigar was found in that mulch area. CCFR is asking anyone to use extreme caution during this unusually warm weather. Meanwhile, the National Weather Service, Juno, issued a red flag warning on Wednesday for the Haynes Borough, effective until 9 p.m. tonight. Winds of 15 miles per hour combined with temperatures from the mid-70s to mid-80s and relative humidity values down to 14% are creating a high fire danger. Dates and times have been picked out for the public to meet the three finalists in Bartlett Regional Hospital's effort to hire a CEO. The finalists were selected following a nationwide search earlier this spring. 
Community Relations Director Aaron Harden said the public can provide feedback to the board. We are very excited to be able to bring those three individuals to, to campus and into Juno and have them interact with not only our staff but also members of our community. And so we've set aside time when each of those individuals will be in town for the public to stop by and, and meet with them in person and provide feedback to our, to our board directly. Harden laid out the meeting times. The first will be here this Friday, June 3rd. The second will be here on Monday, June 6th. And the third will be here on Tuesday, June 7th. And on each of those days from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. at the um, Andrew P. Kashaviroff um, Alaska State Library's Archives and Museum building downtown, uh, most locals know it as the APK building, it's over on um, 395 Whittier Street. We're going to be housing um, our, our finalists there, and members of the public can, can stop by, meet with them in person, ask any questions they'd like to, and then um, we'll have some feedback forms where staff can uh, and the public can provide feedback to our board directly about their, their interactions with our finalists. CEO of Kearney County Hospital in Kansas, Emily Dilley, will be at the Friday meeting. Vice President for Patient Care Services and Chief Nurse Executive of Sarah View Medical Center in California, Jeff, Jeffrey Hudson Cavallo will be on Monday, and President and CEO of Delta Health in Colorado, Matthew Heen, will be at the Tuesday meet and greet. Huna Police Chief Eric Hurtado spoke with News of the North this week about a recent memo from the city attorney showing an investigation into possible unauthorized access to police department cameras and audio. In April, Hurtado made a request to the city council to investigate the matter of an internet provider providing passcodes to the cameras at the police department. The chief told News of the North it was a power failure and an attempt to restart internet service to the building that led to the discovery. Huna City Attorney Jim Sheehan ultimately found no wrongdoing on part of Mayor Gerald Breyers or City Administrator Dennis Gray. Here's Hurtado. What uh, led us to that point was we had a power failure uh, here, and we asked our provider to come in and, and try to get our IT back online. And it was during that time that we discovered that there uh, believed it could have been a breach of security in our system. Hurtado added that when he came into the knowledge that access had been provided to someone else beside himself, he acted. He said he was concerned about the safety and security of others. Obviously, we're concerned about the, the safety and security of uh, personnel and also the victims that come into our police station. So we uh, immediately notified uh, the city and the proper authorities that uh, would do an independent investigation and to make sure that, one, that we were following the rules that we were supposed to, and, and two, if we were doing something that we were not, we're not supposed to, we always want to be transparent and we always want to fix if we were negligent in some, some reason. So uh, those calls were made. According to a memo from Sheehan, the reason given by buyers to seek access for both himself and City Administrator Gray was to look at the police department and make sure officers were on patrol. In the memo, Sheehan advised Hurtado not to contact the city council directly, but to go straight to him if he cannot go to the mayor. Hurtado ended by saying the possibility that audio, in addition to video, from Huna Police Department was monitored bothers him most. One of the concerns we have uh, in particular in this matter is that not only is there a video feed that we believe was compromised, but also audio feed. 
So people that would be coming in to give their side of an account that may be graphic nature, uh, we don't want people that are unauthorized and non-investigators to have access to live stream of of that material. And we just don't want to have uh, victims out there re- being re-victimized because uh, maybe there was a breach of security and their information and their statement may begin out there that was not authorized. Sheehan declined further comment for this story. Sealaska Heritage Institute will hold a grand opening for their new Heritage Arts Campus in June during the biannual Dance and Culture Festival celebration. The opening on June 8th will include the unveiling of the new Cultural Values Totem Pole, a totem carved on all sides and the first one of its kind in Alaska. Sealaska Heritage President Rosita Worrell talked about that on Action Line. A couple days ago, we had the 360-degree totem pole that was erected, and I, I was looking at it, and I have to say, I was so happy, I almost started crying, and and crying um, because I was happy, but also grateful, grateful that we had over 2,000 uh, businesses and individuals that contributed to the support uh, for the construction of the art center. And, of course, we have to acknowledge that Sea Alaska uh, was the largest contributor. World said a 360-degree totem is the first for Alaska. I believe three that were made in Canada. So this one is the first one that will be in Alaska. And a 360-degree totem pole, it means that it's carved all the way around. Traditionally, they were only carved on one side, and that side would be facing uh, the sea and welcoming visitors. So we will have that totem pole. Uh, Another uh, uh, artwork that we'll have is what we're calling Faces of Alaska, and these will be uh, five monumental masks uh, that will be cast in bronze, and they will represent all of the major cultures of Alaska. The opening aims to mark a milestone in the Institute's quest to make Juneau the Northwest Coast arts capital. Whirl was asked how closer Juneau is to becoming such a capital. She said there is still more work to do before that happens. There are about seven major components to what I call, you know, uh, the elements for the Northwest Coast arts capital. First being the Walter Sobolov building, our arts campus, and then our, we also have, uh, will be erecting 30 totem poles on the Juno waterfront. And we've raised the funds for about half of, half of the totem poles. So we're about 50% done there. Well, well, I shouldn't say we've raised 50% of the funding, but of course now the artists have to get busy and start carving them. She added that there are other elements that need to be met, including culture and schools, and promoting the integration of Northwest Coast art in the city. The grand opening of the Sea Alaska Arts Campus is set for June 8th at noon. Election offices where voters can vote early in the special congressional election have opened. June 11th is the last day voters can get their by-mail ballot postmarked or hand-delivered to the five regional election offices in the state. Early voting is taking place in Juneau at the 8th floor of the state office building on Willoughby Avenue and the Division of Elections Region 1 office in Mendenhall Mall. Division of Elections Director Gail Fanumiai was asked what a voter will need to bring to one of those offices. 
will bring your identification and present that to the election official working, and they will either issue, you know, they'll review your voter registration as it appears in our system, and then you'll be issued a ballot to vote. If you have already voted your by-mail ballot, do not go and vote again. If you have not voted your by-mail ballot because you just would prefer to vote in person, you can bring your ballot to the voting location and and tear it in half, destroy it there, or you can just destroy it at home. With this ranked choice voting, Fanumiai stressed that this is not the part yet where you vote for four choices. This is still just a vote for one election, even though there's a large number of candidates appearing on the ballot. The ballot looks different because all candidates, regardless of what their party affiliation is, are appearing on the same ballot, and it's still just a vote for one election. And the top four comes into play after certification. The top four candidates that are certified will then advance to the special general election, where that election will be a ranked choice election. As of a Friday report, 89,289 by-mail ballots have been received, and 258 people have already voted early. Fadumiai said that the first round of unofficial results will be released on June 11th, and subsequent counts will be held on June 15th, 17th, and 21st. The 21st is the last day by statute to receive by-mail ballots and review them and count them if they're postmarked on June 11th, and then the State Review Board will convene on June 23rd. Fanumiai said she anticipates certification of the special primary election on June 25th. Governor Mike Dunleavy's office has entered a contract with a former aide for up to $50,000 in part to advise the administration on what legal fights to pursue against the federal government. The contract with Strategic Synergies LLC was signed in April and released by Dunleavy's office last week. Brett Huber, a former senior advisor to the governor, is listed on the contract as the firm's sole owner. The contract period is for April 25th through October 24th. Dunleavy spokesperson Dave Steeran explained what Huber's duties will be in terms of state departments. In regards to coordinating with DNR, DEC, and Department of Law, He's outside of, of all of those different departments, and in essence, he is a project manager that will review, and there's like a three or four page list of these things, that will review pending legal action against the federal government on a myriad of issues. It's not just oil and gas. Steeran expanded on how much Huber will be paid and what his job duties will be. The statehood defense fund that the governor, I, I think, got two and a half million. We're going to burn through that like Sherman through the South with the lawsuits. In essence, when, when I talked about, you know, okay, well, what is he going to do? He's, he's a project manager that will be coordinating with the different departments. And immediately people default to, well, you're paying him $50,000. No, no, technically, he has a $50,000 retainer that he can't exceed to bill against. And... From what I understand right now, he's yet to bill a dime. I mean, he, he could he could wind up billing five bucks. He could wind up billing the max between now and the end of October. Uh, but but that is that that in a nutshell is what his role is and how the structure of his compensation works. Huber was Dunleavy's campaign manager in 2018 and an aide to Dunleavy following the Republicans' election. The deadline to sign petitions for a ballot initiative regarding mandatory disclosure of property sales is coming up on Saturday. A political action group is asking registered voters to approve a ballot referendum regarding the city's mandatory disclosure of real estate values in transactions code. 
the group, Protect Juno Homeowners Privacy, is attempting to collect 2,130 signatures in order to achieve a ballot referendum to repeal the city and borough of Juno Code. According to CBJ Deputy Clerk Di Cathart, the deadline to turn in those signatures is set for Saturday afternoon. Last month, the Alaska State Troopers Criminal Suppression Unit in Fairbanks discovered that Joseph Allen Smith Jr. was living in Fairbanks, and Smith had a fully extraditable felony warrant for his arrest out of Tennessee. The charges on the warrant were attempted murder in the first degree and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Troopers discovered Smith had jumped bail in Tennessee and made his way to Alaska last year. After an investigation, troopers were able to identify Smith's whereabouts in Fairbanks and locate him. Yesterday, the Alaska State Troopers' CERT team, including officers from the Fairbanks Police Department and a deputy fire marshal, the State Troopers' Fairbanks Criminal Suppression Unit, Hilo 2, State Troopers Canine Lenox, and Canine Kenny contacted Smith on Truck Street in Fairbanks. Smith surrendered without incident. He was remanded to the Fairbanks Correctional Center where he is being held without bail while he awaits his extradition back to Tennessee. One home was swept away by a raging river, and several other homes and cabins lining the Copper River in eastern Alaska are in danger of being lost because of the eroding riverbank. The flooding is taking place in the unincorporated area of Copperville, about five miles southeast of Glen Allen. A spokesperson with the State Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management says the flooding is from the snowmelt in the mountains after temperatures warmed up. The home that was lost Monday was a secondary residence. About four other structures in danger are recreational cabins or vacation properties. The Sitka Sportsman's annual Salmon Derby is underway, and the first weekend results are in. The event is held annually for five days, all three days of Memorial Day weekend, and the following weekend. The unofficial leaderboard of the first weekend shows Savannah Plank with 40.2 pounds, Riley Bernhardt, 33.5 pounds, and Caleb Gray, 31 pounds. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.